Well, good morning, friends. We are glad that you're here. As Jeff said, we're unplugging um, for just a little bit, and I feel like I need to apologize. We have been waiting for a long time to do this message, and I probably got more energy than I should have uh, about this as we kind of, as we kind of get going. But um, one of the things that's hard for me is that you guys can't be in our staff meeting every week. And so every Tuesday, whether it's all the, the campuses together or our just Plano campus, we're together and we always spend time just telling stories about what God is up to. And so what's so fun is that could go for two hours in terms of trying to, you were talking over each other, raising hands, all that kind of stuff. And it's hard for me because we, we don't get to tell you all those on a Sunday morning. It's just we can't talk about those. But I just thought this morning, just for four or five minutes, I might invite you in uh, to a staff meeting and just kind of tell you the types of stories that we're hearing that are being written, written around this place. And so the first one that's really encouraging to me, and a lot of them are encouraging, but this one kind of stood out last spring. We were doing a Watermark Kids Live event, which is an event we have where moms and dads and kids come together and there's a lesson and there's games and we embarrass the parents. It's incredible, right? Um, and so one of these kids, a second grade kid, really wanted to go. Uh, to this, and his grandmother was the one that always brought him to church. And so she approached one of our staff folks and just said, Hey, would you pray with me that uh, my grandson's dad would come to this event with him? They're, they're estranged. And so our staff person prayed, you know, prayed with them, kind of kept praying, and that child got up the courage to ask his dad, and his dad said yes. And he came to this watermark event, and this kid talked about that for weeks and weeks. And so this kid now is kind of leading his family in spiritual things, praying at meals. And I think sometimes the mom and dad aren't sure what to do with that, right? And so I love those stories that God's at work. The second one has to do with the urgent care clinic, Right, and so this is in just the last few weeks that's taken place that a, a guy came in from the neighborhood that was hurting and we were able to serve his physical needs and in the midst of that, we got a chance to share the gospel and give him a Bible and he was pretty closed off and kind of had some walls up. A few days later, his girlfriend came in and we were able to love on her, care for her, shared the gospel with her as well. And then... Um, the guy came back in a few, uh, few days, or it might have been a couple of weeks later, and he was a little softer, and he said, hey, I've been reading my Bible, and just so you know, my girlfriend and I uh, are getting married. And so our volunteers made a big deal of that. We celebrated that. They went, they got married, and then two days after uh, they got back from their honeymoon, they both come in, and they say, hey, we're pregnant, and so our volunteers talk them through that. We continue to love and care for them and said, hey, we think one of the best things that you could do is you could go, go spend some time with our partners at Prestonwood Pregnancy Center. And so those folks did that. So they got and they were wanting to know, hey, what's the best way to care for this child and what are we going to do and all that. And so they went to Prestonwood Pregnancy Center and those volunteers at Prestonwood, many are watermark people, shared the gospel again and they both came to Christ. Okay. I just stories like that all over. Another one, another great story. Probably we are a week or two in to this place back in 2015. And I, a guy comes up to me and he just says, hey, Kyle, I just need you to know 
that uh, I just recently to c- confess to a seven-year gambling addiction that caused me to defraud my best friend, my partner, and the co-owner of my company of hundreds of thousands worth of dollars, and I have been appropriately fired. And so as, as he did that, he just said, hey, I want to put myself under the authority of this church, under the leadership of this church. I want to be restored. I want to do whatever you would have me do. And so that friend of mine began to serve in the dash, and he began to serve in Summit, went, went through Regen. A year or so later, he started leading in Summit and leading in Regen and leading in, in, in the dash. We asked him to play a little bit of a leadership role there. And so it's been four years since that time, and early in those days, he paid back every single penny that he had stolen from that company. And he reconciled with his good buddy. Okay, and they have, re- they have reestablished a friendship. And what God did that in that person is incredible. And that person was holding a microphone up here five or six minutes ago. Right, Jeff Parker. Right, God transformed his life. He wrote a new story for Jeff, and he is a changed man, and now he's in charge of our recovery ministries here. And so I just want you to know all over this, even this room, stories are being written right now. I want you to just literally do this. I want you to look to your left, and then look to your right, And here's what I want you to know. There are stories being written right now, unwritten stories we don't know about. There's a lot I do know about, I just can't tell you. But stories are being written everywhere around here. And we love it, and we want to keep telling those stories. And the great news about those stories is they're growing and they're multiplying. And as they grow and they multiply, we start to have pressure Okay, in terms of some of the stuff we're going to talk today on our facility. But let me give you what's happened because of those stories. When we started four years ago, we had about um, 275 kids is kind of what we started with. That Today, there are 750 kids here every Sunday. We got lots of children okay, around this place. In this room alone, we started with about, it was probably 350 350, 400 adults, okay, and now every Sunday in each service, we have up to 750, 800 adults in this room. We're growing. Regen, reengage are up 33% in the last year. Our recovery ministries, our community groups, we went from 100 to 134 community groups, right? That's 350 people that just kind of raised their hand and said, hey, I want to align with Watermark's mission and vision and values, and I want to be a part of that. Our student ministry is busting, and stories are being written all over the place at this campus. And so can I just ask you, I want you to raise your hand. Like if you have prayed for God to do great things at this campus, would you raise your hand? God is answering your prayers, right? It's happening. Stories are happening all over the place. And not only are they happening inside the walls here, they're also happening outside the walls. And so I just want to take a minute and I want to show you, just on a little video, what has happened in the last 32 years in North Dallas in Collin County. So when you see this come up, I want you to watch the white 
as it grows, the white image as it grows. That's the concrete that's happening in our suburbs that we are a part of. It's growing and growing and growing (laughs) and growing. And so Collin County has basically a million people And just so you know, 700,000 of those people do not have a relationship with Christ. 700,000. We are no longer in the Bible Belt, friends. Okay, 100% of those people need a deeper relationship with Christ, just like me. And so I want us as the Plano campus, we can't meet the needs of everybody, all million people, but I want to be a part of all of the unwritten stories that are in Collin County that we can be. And so what we're talking about today is how can we do that? How can we celebrate this chapter that we've had of four years? And I just want to, for a second, I want to look at uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. There's a couple of passages there, and I just want to stop and say, hey, Watermark Plano, way to go. Like God is using you to love and serve our community and make disciples. And look what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 4.1 as he's talking to the Thessalonians. He says, finally then, brothers, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us instruction as how you ought to walk and please God. So that's what he said. And then he makes a little comment, and he just says, and just as you actually do. So he's telling them, he's just saying, hey, we've called you to do this, and you're doing it. And then he says, I want you to excel still more. Paul had a great relationship with this church. This is probably the most encouraging letter Paul wrote in the New Testament to the Thessalonians. Go on down that chapter a little bit more, and it says this. is now as to the love of the brothers. You have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. Again, he makes a little color commentary, right? And he says, for indeed, you too, you do practice it toward all the brothers who are in Macedonia. So he's saying, hey, I called you to this. You're doing it. Way to go. But now I want you to excel still more. And so that's what I want us to do. I want to tell, way to go, Watermark Plano. The growth, the life change, the stories that are being written. But let's excel still more. Let's keep Going. Let's have a bigger impact in this community and in this county. And so I mentioned that as we multiply stories and they keep growing, that it creates some pain points or challenges uh, in our ministry. And so I just want to share those with you, uh, the, the main things that we're wrestling with as we continue to grow and celebrate that. And so we're out of space uh, for kids, for sure, and adults are close behind. Uh, we went to Ginger several months ago, who's our children's director, and just said, hey, Ginger, how long we got? Right? And she came back and said, hey, we may be able to survive uh, fall of 19, but we got no shot fall of 20, okay, when we start. And so I'm like, okay, we got to get busy. I called our friends that are the architects and contractors, and I said, hey, we need to start thinking about something. They said, y'all are behind, Okay, in terms of getting something done that fast. It's the same for the adults. Some of y'all know that in churches, when an auditorium, a room like this is 80% full, it's full. It stops growing. And we're getting close to that 80% number. And so God's stories that he's doing through us are growing and it's creating some pain points for us. We're out of space for midweek large group ministries that we have. 
Right now, every single week at Regen, when we're trying to get into stage four, there's people that are standing outside because of space. They can't get in to listen to the testimony and the teaching, and so they just stay out and they wait for their small groups to start. We're out of space for that. We're going to probably have to move in here in the next couple of months, and this isn't a great room for us to do Regen. We're out of small group space for our kids. We have, big, we have large group rooms in the children's area, and we're putting two and three groups in those rooms. It's just not a great learning environment for our kids. We don't have any space around here to do connecting and membership on Sunday mornings. I would love, so we hear all the time, hey, it's hard to connect at Watermark, right? It's hard to become a member at Watermark. And there's some good reasons why it's hard to connect, but if it's our fault, that people are not connecting and it's not those folks making a decision on our mission and vision and values, there's a problem. And we think there's people saying, hey, I'm not gonna connect here just because it's hard, the process is hard. And we think we can help that by Sunday morning having space where we can do connecting and open community groups and membership classes that would allow us to capture the hearts of more people. There's no midweek or weekend destination for young families. There's not a place up here where moms and dads can come during the weekdays and on the weekends and let their kids just kind of play in a safe environment and sit and talk and have community, invite neighbors that don't know the Lord and have conversations with them about, hey, what's the next faithful step for you? Or, hey, I want you to understand about how I live my life. This is what the core is. There's none of that. And then there's just, and so just to say this one flat, our, the, our campus is ugly. Okay, I love our campus. Okay, but if you look on the north side over here, we've got 18 Wheeler Bays is what we have. And we painted them gray to try to make them disappear. But I would love to put a little bit of landscaping out there and make that make a courtyard area that's a fun place to connect for everybody, young adults, empty nesters, everybody that's out there. And then one of the other things we are hoping and praying for is we've got an incredible group of young adults that here that are thriving and serving, but it's a small group. And we really do have a heart to have a thriving young adult community that's here that is loving and caring for other young adults in Collin County, serving in all of our ministries. We think that's an important part of what we're doing. So I am going to tease you here for just a second, okay? And then we're going to come back to it after we look at God's Word. So I'm just going to throw a picture up here of what we're talking about, okay? It was up there for a sec. There it is, Okay, just our architects have gone through and they have just kind of said, hey, Kyle, I think we can make this thing be effective for making disciples. I think we can help you with what your problems are by doing this right here. But before we jump into that, we've got to let the scripture guide our heart. Because I know whenever there's a, whatever your word is, a building campaign or building whatever, everybody kind of all of a sudden like, oh no, here we go. So I don't know what baggage you have as you walk in here on those things. Some of you may have come from traditions where they put a big thermometer in the lobby, all right? Some of you may come from a tradition where they have these bright, shiny brochures and they ask you to give and it's consultants that help them do that and they pay the consultants a little bit to help you raise your money. You may do that. Here's what I would tell you. Nobody's got more baggage than me when it comes to that. I went to college at Oral Roberts University. And so I went there, baseball player, the guy that signed was the number one pick in the draft back in 1981 
It was a guy named Mike Moore, and he signed for a gazillion dollars. He was the guy that gave me the tour of the campus, and I'm like, I'm in. That's where I want to go because I want to get rich and make a gazillion dollars playing baseball. And so I went there, and I was a very immature believer, had never been discipled. And I would just tell you, any my, if any of my ORU friends are here, I love that place. It was great. I got discipled in a lot of different areas, but I got poorly discipled in this area in the area of stewardship and giving and things like that. And so just to give you an example, at one point, so I, I was there a long time ago, back in the days when Oral Roberts kind of actually ran Oral Roberts University. And so if you've ever been there in Tulsa, you know they've got this, uh, this garden area and there's a prayer tower that is beautiful. I mean, it is gorgeous and you could go up in there and you could pray f- for the city of Tulsa and it was really cool. Well, one day, President Roberts just, we were in the middle of some kind of building campaign, and he just said, hey, I'm going up there, and I'm not coming down till we get our $17 million that we need. That's crazy, right? That's crazy. And so that's why I was being taught, here's the crazier thing, okay? He got the money, some guy, some guy gave him like the 13 million that was left to do that, but he gave it to him and he said, I'm only gonna go give it to you if you'll go see a psychiatrist. <laughs> so if anybody here needs a psychiatrist and wants to give some big cash, I'm all in, <laughs> right? But I just, I walk into things like this, or I did back kind of pre-Watermark days, I walk back into things like this and I just did not have a biblical view of giving and of stewardship. And so we're gonna spend a few minutes here and we're gonna look at, I think, one one of the greatest moments in all of Old Testament history and it helps us think well, think biblically about any time you hear that term, building fund, building campaign, giving for facilities, all that kind of stuff. So I want us to kind of start over and let's think about what God's word said to us. And so this is a passage that discipled me in the early days of watermark. And so what you need to know, we're in Exodus 30, uh, 35 and 36, okay, and Israel has already come out of Egypt, okay, you know the story, and they go to the edge of the Red Sea, God parts the Red Sea, they come through the Red Sea safe and sound, shortly thereafter they're grumbling, God provides for them, they're grumbling some more, God provides for them, and then, then there's a situation that happens, there's a rebellion, and so there really does come, they come to a place where there's a line in the sand, where it's like, hey, are you gonna follow all you millions of Israelites? Are you gonna follow the Lord or are you going to follow some other idol? And so it kind of, it kind of, it kind of split the nation, right? And so as they went ahead, the folks that were faithful went ahead through the desert. We got to a place in Exodus 35 or 36 where God tells Moses, hey, it is time to build a tabernacle. And so that's what Exodus 35 and 36 are about. And the reason he wanted to build a tabernacle is because he wanted to remind the nation of Israel, the family of Israel, about the the daily presence of God and the daily provision that he made for their sin. That's why there was a tabernacle. And so this, we're gonna look through a bunch of scripture. I kind of kind of go through it pretty quick, but we're gonna look through the scripture. And I want you to just notice some of the repetitive patterns that are in here. And then we're gonna draw some principles from that. And then we're gonna keep talking about how this applies to us. 
And so we're in 35 verses four, verses four through seven, and it says this. It says, Moses spoke to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, saying, this is the thing which the Lord has commanded, saying, take from among you a contribution to the Lord, whoever is of a willing heart. Let him bring it to the Lord's contribution, whether it's gold, silver, bronze, and it just kind of keeps going, listing the types of materials. And then you move on down into 35, kind of 21 through 29, and it says, uh, everyone whose heart stirred him and everyone whose spirit moved him, keep going, all whose hearts moved them, every man, 23, every man who had his possession, uh, again, the materials. And so we just kind of keep going. We go into 35 verse 24. Again, it says everyone who could make a contribution, every man, 25 and 26 to start talking about how the women can participate, the skilled women, what that looks like. And then 29, it goes on, the Israelites, all the men and women whose heart moved them to bring the materials for the work of the tabernacle. We move into 36, one through seven, and that says, now Bezalel and Aholiab and every skillful person whom the Lord has put skill in. So what's happened, he's like, okay, the Lord's moving skilled people, okay, into this contribution thing that he's talking about. Then Moses called those two guys and every skillful person, everyone whose heart stirred him to come to the work to perform it. And then we get down to chapter 36 and we go to verse three and it says this. It says, they received from Moses all the contributions which the sons of Israel had brought to perform the work in the construction of the sanctuary. And they still continued bringing to him free will offerings every single morning. So what I want you to get is the picture as we go through this passage that everyone is involved some way or another and they are doing it because God moved them or stirred them. And so we're gonna get to have some, just some time to think about what does that mean? God moving, God stirring so that we can be a part of something that God is doing in significant ways. And then keeping going in chapter 36, here's what it says. It says, the people are bringing much more, listen to this, the people are bringing much more than enough for the construction work which the Lord commanded us to perform. So Moses issued a command and a proclamation was circulated throughout the camp saying, let no man or woman any longer perform work for the contribution of the sanctuary. Thus the people were restrained from bringing any more for the material they had was sufficient and more than enough for all of the work to perform it. And so there's the picture, right, of what God is doing that in all the, the people of Israel, everybody's involved. And it's out of the overflow of their heart because God's presence is gonna be with us and it's a reminder that he is providing a provision for our sin. And so I wanna just look at that passage and I wanna pull four principles out of there that are incredibly important as we think about, hey, Plano, Watermark Plano is about to, about to enter into an area where we're gonna, we wanna expand our campus a little bit. And so I want you to be informed, not by, or me, by our baggage, but by what the scripture says about how to think well, how to think biblically about how to do this. And so the first principle is that everyone who is moved or stirred 
by God. And so the first thing I want you to hear me say today is this is about your heart. This is about my heart. Whenever we talk about expanding our facilities at Watermark, we want you to know that that is part of the discipleship process, that we want you to engage because we believe it will grow your heart for God and his kingdom. So it's about your heart. It's not about the amount that you give. God is much more interested in our hearts. And so I want to show you a couple of New Testament passages that just support that. This is in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. And what's going on here, the context is that the Corinthians had said, hey, we're going we're gonna to give, give a contribution to help the church in Jerusalem. That's what it was. And now Paul's writing to the Corinthians and say, hey, that commitment you made, I want you to finish it. And so here's what he says to to the, to the, in the Corinthian letter, it says, For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord, begging us with, with much urging for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. And this not as we had expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. And again, it's a reminder, they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to whatever God's plan was for supporting the Jerusalem church. Keep going in 2 Corinthians, you get to 9, and it's just a great reminder of that this is about the heart. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so in Exodus... The people of Israel were giving, bringing all that stuff. And by, by the way, do you know where all that stuff came from? God had supplied them as they were coming out of Egypt. Remember the story? God had so worn them out with the plagues that Pharaoh just kind of said, hey, I'm done. Take what you want. And so the Israelites made some hay. Okay, and they went and they took and they plundered the Egyptians, and all of that stuff they were carrying through the wilderness, and we get to this time, and now all that stuff that Israel had gathered up is now coming to help build the, build the temple. And there was sacrifice going on as well at that time, but they gave because I can't believe that God's presence is with us. I can't believe he's made provision for our sin. We are overjoyed to support what God is doing in the midst of our camp. And so... If you walk out of here today and you feel coerced or manipulated or bamboozled or whatever your term is, that is not my heart. My heart, our heart here is to make disciples, to keep writing stories, and for every single one of us to be faithful. And so it's one of the reasons here that we don't pass a plate. Some of you may be guests here today and you notice that we don't pass a plate. The reason we do that it's because we think the best, the best application of how to do what we just read. Hey, we want people to give with a cheerful heart, not because a plate comes in front of them every single week and they feel obligated to put money in there. We're not critical of churches that do that. We just think it's better. We like the interpretation better of, hey, let the God stir your heart to give to the work of the ministry. So we don't do debt here. For those of y'all that don't know, we've got, we've got millions of dollars, millions of dollars worth of facilities, and we don't owe any, anyone anything 
And the reason we do that is so that we can be flexible. If God says turn left, we can quickly turn left. If he says turn right, we can turn right and we can be, we can be effective for God the way that he wants us to. We don't do pledges here. As I said, we don't do thermometers in the lobby. We don't do consultants. What we do is we pray. And we pray that God would release his resources. They belong to him through you. And then once you've given those resources, we pray like crazy that he'll resupply those resources. Another thing I want you to know as we talk about this and as we're shepherded uh, in, by, by the Scripture is that we're staying on mission. Okay, We're going to talk about this every now and then. It'll probably be in the watermark news, but we're not going to make this a huge deal on a Sunday morning. We're going to communicate clearly but we are going to keep making disciples and we're going to keep writing stories and this will not be a distraction to what God is doing in our midst. And so let me just tell you for me, what does it mean that that first principle that God, that those who participate, who contribute are those who's, who's, who God stirs. And so let me tell you what that looks like for me. So Trisha and I give every, every month to the general fund at Watermark, do that. And then periodically over the last 19 years, there have been seasons when we've been asked to do something like we're talking about today, which is, hey, we need to expand the campus. And so we want you to give to that. And so Trisha and I will get together and we'll kind of talk. But let me, let me tell you the first thing that hits my brain. When I talk to the Lord and I talk to my bride about, hey, what do we want to do here? Here's what hits my brain, is that I am overwhelmed by the fact that I have been able to sit under incredible biblical teaching for 20 years. I'm overwhelmed by the fact that I get to hang out with men who are figuring out how do I make disciples of my kids? How do I lead my family? How do I love my wife? 20 years I've been doing, I've been been a part of that. I have had all three of my children had small group leaders for multiple years that plugged into them. They didn't during those crazy high school years. I've got three girls, right? The first place they went a lot of times was not mom and dad. They went to their small group leaders. And thankfully, when they went to those small group leaders, those small group leaders were saying the same thing mom and dad was. And so one particular story is we came in one night and my youngest daughter was kind of going through a season of rebellion. She was hiding sin, uh, all of that kind of stuff. And so and we, we come in and she's at the computer and she's crying, I mean hard crying. And we're like, oh my gosh, what has happened? What's going on? So we sit down with her and we say, hey, what's happening? And she just kind of through her tears kind of says, I need to confess something to you guys. And you know how that is for parents. Oh, my gosh, what's coming, right? And so we sit down, we sit down with her, and she, she confesses to hiding sin and doing some things that she knew was against kind of what the way we led our home. And I think we responded decently well. We forgave her, and we talked about, hey, why you did what you did, and then we gave, gave some consequences. But what we found out in the midst of that conversation is that 30 seconds before we pulled in that night, her small group leader was sitting right next to her, right next to that computer. And she was whispering to her, hey, I love you enough that if you don't tell your parents, I will. I know that that may hurt our relationship, our friendship for a while, but I love you that much that I am going to tell your parents. So either you do it or I will do it. Folks, being around biblical teaching for 20 years, 
having leaders plug into my kids, rubbing shoulders with guys that are leading my family. Folks, I cannot write a check big enough for that. I can't. So when our family sits down and we process this, our question has changed. It's not how much we can give. It's like, hey, what do we need to live on? And I want to give everything else. And so this is about God stirring our heart. When we talk about this building thing, we're just saying, don't hear us say, hey, we care about the amount. We care more about the discipleship process and that your heart is growing and your faith is building so that you can be more useful for the kingdom. Second principle is everyone can contribute. Everybody can be a part. Look at Luke 21, one through four. It's kind of commonly known as the widow's might. It says, and this is Jesus, and it says, and he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw a poor widow putting in two small copper coins. And he said, truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all of them. For they all out of their surplus put into the offering, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had to live on. And so God doesn't care about the amount, folks. He cares about the state of our heart and that everyone can be a part. So Todd told a little bit of the story last week about kind of when we started Watermark um, 18 years ago. And so it was one night, we'd been talking for a year, year and a half, vision, values, doctrine, all that kind of stuff. And it, we, we had felt confirmed that God was going to, wanted to do something with, uh, with us. And it came to the night that we were all going to figure out, all right, how the heck are we going to fund this thing? And so we literally, we're in a room, there's 15 of us, and we just pass a hat. And we write down on a piece of paper, hey, how much can you give tomorrow, and how much can you give in the next few months? And so there was enough there to hire Todd, as, I can't remember if it was part-time or full-time, and we just kind of started and it grew for there. But you know what's so fun about that for me, and I hope this isn't prideful, I feel like every time we build a building or do ministry, I've got a little part of that, little Mine was a little contribution. I was on Young Life staff and had three kids under five. (laughs) Little part. But I feel like my heart was invested and my time, talent, and treasure followed that. And so everyone can contribute. Other thing that we've done before as we've done this in Dallas is we've, we've included your kids and to use this process as a way to make disciples of your kids. So it's been so fun in the past that kids would do a lemonade stand and give all of their proceeds from the lemonade stand to the building fund. Right? Other folks did garage sales, gave the proceeds to the building fund. I got reminded earlier today that there was an Italian family that had just come over from Italy, had connected at Watermark, and their lives were being significantly changed. And she wrote a, an Italian cookbook and sold it and made all kinds of, of dollars and sent them to the building fund. So I don't know what it is for you, but everyone can be a part of it. And the contribution can be time It can be talent. So it says in the Exodus passage, it says that there were skilled women and skilled men that were a part of this. It can be your time. It can be your time to pray. It can be your time to serve differently than you're able to serve. I love when I look around and I'm up here and I see all these starting block shirts and dash shirts and things like that because you're giving your time. And the contribution can be time. It can be talent or it can be treasure. So we, we love our building here. Absolutely love what we've got. It's 110,000 square feet of awesome, okay? It used to be a furniture place. And so when we bought it, we spent a little bit of money, some money to put watermark lipstick on it. 
Okay, it's kind of the way I talk about it. We love our building. Okay, but do you know you know who is responsible for the watermark lipstick, the colors here on the panels, the wood here, the other places, the leather stuff, things like that? It's a member of our body, the McDougals. They have given countless hours, not charged us anything in terms of their fees to have a part, to be a part of what we're doing here. We've had contractors that have said, hey, I'm a contractor. I can give you two free air conditioning units. Okay, I can give you sheetrock. I, I can get things at cost. And so as we think about this thing, we're not only talking about treasure. We're talking about your time and your talent. How can you be a part of what we believe God wants us to do as this next chapter of making disciples at Watermark Plano. So that's the third principle. The contribution can be time, talent, and treasure. The last thing, we need to ask God every morning, how do I steward my life? That comes out. It just said, one of those passages in Exodus just said, they kept bringing it every morning. And so waking up every day and say, hey God, my time, talent, and treasure is yours. That's discipleship. I got a chance to teach Men's Summit Thursday morning, Romans 12. I urge you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present yourself a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. What those two verses mean is, hey, God, I'm going to wake up 24-7. I'm going to put my palms up, and I'm going to say, hey, God, I am yours to do with what you would. That's maturity. I think that's maturity for our body in every area. We're talking about a building today, but we're talking about how do I use my time? How do I use my talent? Loose hands, right? Palms up, God, would you please use me? And so those are the four principles that kind of guided me as I kind of came out of that crazy at ORU and and was never really discipled in this area. And so now as we kind of get to this place, we're, we're hopefully thinking biblically, biblically, so what are our next faithful steps? Well, let me tell you before I do that what we're not going to do. And so I have been praying ever since we got in here. You guys know that to the south of us is 26 acres, 310,000 square feet, and 1,600 parking spots, okay, to the south. And I have asked the Lord multiple times, God, can you, will you give that to us? We would love to turn that into a community center, make this place a city on a hill that all the community comes to for whatever resources they need to help love them and help them be disciples of Christ. And at this point, God hadn't made a way for us. The guy that owns that property, we've got a great friendship with him. We've got a lease with him on the parking, but, but he's not ready to do anything that makes that reasonable for us as a church. But I'm not stopping to pray. I'm not going to stop praying. Okay, just God hasn't allowed that to be the timing yet. So we're not going to do that. We also took a look, like when we went to Ginger and we started thinking about that, we thought about expanding the kids' area back towards Avenue K this way and adding a bunch of classrooms and large groups room. And then we needed to expand this. If you expand the kids' area, you got to expand the adult area, right? They go together. There's a ratio there. Expand this. And so when we looked at all that, we just said, hey, that's going to be like 15 million bucks. And look, that's not out of the question for the Lord to do 15. But right now in this chapter, in this season of Watermark Plano, that feels like too big a lift for our body. And so we just said, hey, we don't think that's wisdom. That's the elders at Dallas. That's the campus shepherds here. We just said, we don't think that's wisdom. So what are we going to do? 
And so after a lot of meetings with architects and different ministry people, we think God's leading us to kind of solve these problems by doing a small campus expansion, okay, and by creating spaces that are going to serve every single group in our church. So I'm going to put that slide up that I had before and show you here. Then we're going to look at some pictures of what we're talking about, and I'll roll through these fairly quickly. So one, Problem is, we're running out of space for kids and adults. And so instead of doing a major multi-million dollar expansion, we just think the right thing for us is go to a third service and a fourth service when it's necessary. We just think that's the right thing. And so we don't know exactly yet when that's happening, but it's coming. Now that could be Saturday night. That could be a third service Sunday morning. We're not sure yet what that's going to do. But that's the way we've decided that's going to be our model going forward, is that we're going to be a three or a four service model church. The next thing is we're out of space for midweek large groups. And so what we want to do is we want to build a a multi-purpose room that's in between the size of stage four that holds 250 and this room that holds 1,200. A five or 600 multi-use space where we can do regen and re-engage and students. And on Sunday mornings, we can use it to connect and do membership and make it easier to connect at this place. There's no really midweek destination place for young families, okay? And so if you've ever been a part of the the Dallas campus, you know that there's a big tree fort there and parents and kids come and all that kind of stuff, and it is amazing. And so what we want to do here is we won't be able to do that, but we want to create a space during the week and on the weekends where you can come with your kids and they can play in a safe place. You can sit outside, outside or even inside, drink your coffee and talk with people, develop relationships. And if I don't get an amen from all the young moms that have been wearing me out for four years that are in here, I mean like, hey, would you, right, create a space for us, right? That's that's one of the things that we want to do. We want to create, as I said before, just an exterior connecting space for all adults, and then we want to create an environment that will help our young adult community. And so let's do this. I teased you early on, so let's just take a look at some architectural renderings, okay, of what we're talking about. So this is the first one. This is kind of the, can you go back to the, just to get the orientation slide, Chris? Great, thank you. So this is just to give everybody kind of orientation. So the bottom of the slide is to the south. It's this way. The top of the slide is to the north is that way, if that helps you orient. Right now, we've got 4.4 acres of undeveloped land, the building we're in, and then on the other side is the Sunday parking and then the shopping center that we hope God's gonna give to us at some point, right? Okay, and so that's kind of what we've got. And so this, all we're gonna talk about is gonna happen on the north side. So this side, right up and down along here. And so what we wanna do is you can see to the right is the outdoor kid play space. In the middle is the adult kind of connecting space, young adult connecting space. Then to the left is the two-story building. The bottom floor is the multi-purpose room. The second floor will be the offices for our staff so that we can turn the existing offices into small group space. So that gives you a quick overview. Then I'm just going to show you the details of all of those pieces right there. So we're going to run through first one, Chris. Yep. So that gives you kind of a close-up look of kind of the connecting space and the two-story addition uh, shows there's fire pits, there's landscaping, there's a porch in there, and we'll have tables under there. If some of you are familiar with the Dallas campus, it'll look a little bit like the exterior of the Dallas campus. Okay, Chris. All right, there's the inside of the multi-purpose room right there, just to let you know it'll be four, 500, 600 seats. Uh, let's go on. Okay. 
Okay, that's a picture of what we think the indoor uh, children's play area is going to look like. As you go to the west, you know, right now it's the kaleidoscope room and the playroom um, for kids. We're going to expand the size of that and put some fun stuff in there for kids just to be able to come up and play in a way that's safe. There's a picture of the sport court and the play area on the outside that we hope to have. That will be covered, uh, just so you know, but we couldn't very well cover it and show you what it was going to look like. So uh, we will cover that. Okay, another picture of the porch. Keep going, Chris. It's great. Okay, there's another look at the porch. One of the fun things about what the architects have done is they've made this indoor-outdoor, like those, that glass right there are garage doors, and so they go up and down. Okay, and we'll create an indoor-outdoor kind of connecting area that we're very excited about. That's coming forward. Anything else, Chris, anymore? There's one more slide, and I think that's all we've got. So that gives you a picture in your mind of what we're trying to accomplish, not so we could just build a building. It's so we can make disciples and so we can grow hearts. And so let me just run through quickly just three really practical things. Here's what we want you to do. We want you to get with the Lord, and we want you to talk to the Lord about how you can use your time, talent, and treasure. I asked the question to the guys on Thursday morning. I just said, hey, do you feel like you're fully utilized? All your gifts are being utilized. I had conversations after that were a bunch of guys that said no, and I'm like, hey, I don't know if it's time, talent, or treasure, but I want, can you imagine if every single one of us were fully utilizing the gifts God had given us, the resources God had given us for his kingdom? We might be able to get after all 700,000 people in Collin County. And so that's the call today. Get with the Lord. Figure that out. Process with your family, right? Pray with your community. And so what, what we'd love for you to do is to go through that process with your community and then figure out, hey, am I, how do I respond Okay, I want to respond. Either I respond with my time, I respond with my talent, I respond with my treasure, I respond with all three, or let me tell you a great response. You go to your community group leader and you said, hey, we have prayed and processed. We've talked with you guys and we just don't think the Lord is leading us to do anything on this, to give to this. It's a great response. We're asking you just to get with the Lord and ask the Lord, how can my heart be fully yours? Is this one of the areas? I will tell you it is in mine. I can grow in this area, in the stewardship of my resources for the sake of God's kingdom. I want more than ever for my question to be, what do I give, but what do I need to live on that we talked about before? How do you give? There's three really easy ways that you can give, watermark.org, giving, building fund. And so just so you know, there's only one building fund. And if you've ever registered at Plano for anything, your kids for a Bible study, you're automatically, Plano's your home campus, and it automatically gets credited to the Plano campus. There's a push pay app on your smartphone that makes it really easy to give if you like doing that. Or if you want to do the old-fashioned way, check in the memo, write building fund, put it in the silver boxes, or send it to this campus or to the Dallas campus. And so what we're asking you guys to do is we are asking the Lord to release $4 million worth of resources through his body. Okay, that is a big ask for our body. As we looked around, as we prayed, remembered what we'd done at Dallas, that feels like a stretch for us. And I'm excited that it's a stretch for us because it's going to disciple us. And so we would love to have that done by January the 31st of 2019. 
Okay, and so we're just asking you now, for the next three or four months, would you just pray, process, talk to community? Would you consider giving? Would you consider using your time? Would you consider using your talent? And then talk about it and tell your community group leaders about that. What are we gonna do? The reason we'd love to have it done by the end of January is because that way we can keep going with our architects and our contractors. We can start in the summer, and by the following spring, we can be fully ready to go with all of the changes that we have talked about today. And so that's how you give to that. And lastly, we we know that this is a big ask. That's a lot to get your head and hands around. And so we want to help you do that. The leadership at the campus wants to help you. So the first way we can do that on October 29th, November 11th and November 14th here at the Plano campus, we're just going to get into some smaller venues and let you fire questions at us. Hey, why did y'all come to this conclusion? Why do you think that's the right thing? If you, if you need to have those conversations, we want to we wanna have them with you. Here's another thing I would love for you to know. As the campus leaders here, we, we have no idea what anybody gives. No idea. There's three people probably at the Dallas campus that know that information. We don't have a clue. You know why? Because I probably couldn't handle it. I probably would treat people different if I knew what they gave, and so I'm thrilled that Watermark has put those things in guard so that I don't have any idea and can treat people the same. Again, widows might or otherwise, right? God cares about the heart. So we'll, the campus leadership will come to your community group. If your community's got questions, we'll jump in. We'd love to process it with you. Uh, the website went live on Friday. You can jump onto the website. A lot of the stuff we've talked about today, the pictures, things like that, or on the website, there's an FAQ that's on the website site that gives you a little more information. We've also got them paper copies at the welcome desk. So on your way out, if you want to get an FAQ that gives you a little more data to help you pray and process, love for you to pick one up there. And then on Sunday mornings, there'll be times that we'll talk about it, but not very often. As I said before, we wanna we wanna stay in mission, on mission. So a lot of information. Here's what I want you to know. I just want God to keep writing stories. I just want him to keep writing my story. I want him to keep writing your stories. And I want him to keep writing all the stories that are around us. So let me let you watch a few more really great stories. (laughs) You're nervous, aren't you? Yes. (laughs) Through the magic of editing, you can make us look good. (laughs) I'm ready. Let's go. Before Christ, I was selfish um, angry, uh, wandering, not being a leader in my own house. I thought I had to be a good Christian, even though I knew in the Bible it says that by grace you were saved, that it's a free gift. Somehow I still had to earn it in the back of my mind. We moved from the Midwest and came down here, didn't have any idea where we were going to go to church. So my husband like just Googled like churches with marriage ministries and popped up re-engage went actually to re-engage before we ever went to a service on sunday just knew that that was just something that we needed not realizing what the lord had in store for us when we first walked into watermark the authenticity was what kind of drew us in we just hadn't seen that at any church we had been at before when we came to watermark plano we got immediately plugged into a foundation group I shared everything from, you know, my drinking problems to going to jail. We shared it all. We and we were just very vulnerable, but really wanted to be authentic for the first time in our lives to let other people 
into our lives and allow Christ to work that way. Probably the best thing so far um, was when Rob Berry, two years ago, almost to the day, uh, preached at Plano and said, among many, many other things, hey, confess that sin that you thought you were going to take to the grave. Not an easy thing to do. But you know, sat Amanda down and confessed to her that early in the marriage, uh, I'd had an affair. I found out I was pregnant with my second son and found out in utero about 13 weeks into my pregnancy that he was um, going to have sickle cell disease. And I had just kind of casually brought it up one day in <laughs> community, casually brought it up, um, that yeah, I was thinking about abortion and I didn't know if I wanted to keep this child. It was no mistake that we were in community mm -hmm. um, with who we were in community with. Um, and it was amazing just to see the guys, I mean, I don't know, it was probably nine o'clock at night. They yeah. all showed up at the house. Yeah, they um, did. All of them left whatever they were doing. At the time, it felt like an ambush. <laughs> um, we walked in and there was two chairs in the middle and like all the chairs for everyone else around and they told us to sit in the middle and they gave me, I still have it, this list of scriptures to meditate on. It was the first time I had really um, experienced God's love in an environment that was not surface level. And honestly, if it wasn't for just that group as a whole, um, I'm not sure where we would be. Yeah, neither am I. When Zode was born, he was born December 19th. Uh, we call him Zode, but his full name is Izodosa. And in um, my uh, family's like dialect, that means I choose the path of God. We went to the very first night of re-engage, I believe it was, at, at the Plano, Plano campus. Mm -hmm. So he had like his arms folded, he was sunken in, like looking heads down. <laughs> And then the key phrase, draw a circle around yourself and fix everybody in that circle. We are not here to fix your spouse and we're not here to point fingers. And that immediately perked up his ear. Having the privilege of serving at Reengage and seeing couples walk through the door that have come in a different car, that don't sit together, that can't even talk to each other, and then some 30 odd weeks later have <laughs> reconciled with one, with one another. Um, that's just, it's incredible for us to see God's work and his power and his love played out through the story of these couples and to know the effect that that's going to have on generations to come. I have been overwhelmed by the love and acceptance that no matter how, how damaged I feel or how broken I feel based on my circumstances, that the way people love me is not dependent on my circumstances and has absolutely been Christ shown to me. Thanks, Thanks for, for making, making room, room for us. us. Thank you for making room for me and my family. Thank you for making room for me. Thank, Thank you, you for, for making, making room, room for us. us. Thank you.